Georgia Revival, we're about ready to start here. If I could ask all of you to move in. If you can stand up and move toward the center. We've got folks coming in. They're looking for seats. They, as you, are with their friends, so they'd like to sit together. So if you can kind of move toward the center, if there's seats between you, we really need you to do that, folks. If you can stand up and everybody move toward the center, that will give some of these larger groups a place to sit. we got a group of 30 that's looking for seats. So if you can just stand up for me. You can go ahead and stand to your feet because we're about to have our scripture reading anyway. So this is a perfect time to make this move for us. So if you'll just stand to your feet and move in, we so appreciate that. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the North Georgia Revival. Who's excited to be here tonight? We're so glad that you're here. And now that you've scooted in, turn and introduce yourself to your new neighbor, okay? And welcome them. Give a high five and a hug to somebody tonight. We're going to turn to Psalm 27 tonight. And if you can, welcome Pastor David as he comes to the platform to read God's Word. Amen. 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 God is good. Do you love Jesus? Amen. You ready for the Word? Now listen, you can't, you can't be mad because you had to move to the center. Amen. We're all happy. We're all full of the joy of the Lord tonight. Amen. Psalms 27, starting in verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fail. Good God Almighty. Won't the word preach by itself? All you got to do is read it. Amen. Not only, look, I love Jesus. He made his enemies trip and fall. You know, it's just one thing to fall. Have you ever, I got to, have you ever seen the picture of that model on the runway and she's in her high heels and she falls from here all the way to that wall. Have you ever seen that? She don't just fall down right here. She trips and fumbles and stumbles and falls and ends up. That's what God will do with your enemies. He'll make them just. Come on, somebody. The Bible says he'll make a show of them openly. Make them trip and fall. Isn't that good? Though the host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Isn't that good? One thing I have asked from the Lord, all the stuff I could ask for him, David was being chased by his enemy. He was run out of his own country. His wife hated him. His father-in-law hated him. He said, but one thing I'm going to ask, good God, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, you better be glad you're here tonight 
because this is just one moment in your life. But I want to fall in love with God so much, I just want to live in the house of God all the days of my life. Isn't that right? For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up upon a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies round about me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. Come on, somebody. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, be gracious unto me and answer me. Last scripture, you ready for it? Touch your neighbor and say, you got to listen to this one. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord. Woo! Hey, let me tell you something. Some of you may be going, I don't even know why I'm here. I didn't even want to come. They drugged me here. Some of you young people. Mama drugged me. Daddy drugged me. Well, let me tell you something. God's asking one thing from us tonight. You know what it is? He's saying, I want to find somebody who will seek my face. And our response to him tonight is, come on, say it again. One more time. Your face I will seek. Father, in Jesus' name, we, we, can, we, we just certify this word. Father, we say tonight, your face we're going to seek. Our enemies will stumble and fall. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost, have your way. This is your, your house in Jesus' name. So 
your hands all over the building. Come on, worship him.
becomes my greatest defense and leads me from the dry wilderness and all I did was praise all I did was worship all I did was
I'm in. 
Church, the word tonight is this. Stop fighting the Lord and receive. Stop fighting the Lord and receive. Amen? Because His way is best. His way is best. And He's already made you worthy to receive. He's already made you worthy to receive. And it's just like Christians been singing. You need to just lay back in God tonight and receive. You just got to lay back in God. Well, it hasn't come. Well, it's not happening for me. Is your gate open? Is your gate open? And by that I mean, are you praising Him and worshiping Him in it while you wait? Because a gate is a place of access. If you will praise Him and worship Him while you're in it, your gate will open and the blessing will come. Amen? No matter what's staring you in the face, you got to praise and you got to worship your way through that thing. And that opens your gate. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into the courts with praise. So you've got to understand that he's already won every battle. we got this crazy misconception that he's duking it out with Satan. That never was a battle. That never was the battle. Jesus has won every victory. But you got to open the gate. you got to open the gate by thanksgiving and gratefulness and worship and praise. Lean back into him. Receive what he's got for you. And don't fight him anymore. His way is best. His way is best. Amen? Father God, we just thank you. And Lord, by faith, we're going to lean into you. Every victory's already won. There is no battle. We only battle from the standpoint of victory. And so, Father, by faith tonight, tonight, tonight we're going to lean into you and we're going to receive what you have for us. Jesus, if we know you as Lord and Savior, you make us worthy. We're already worthy to receive because of your worthiness, not ours, but yours. And so, Lord, we're not going to fight you anymore. We're just going to lean into you. We're going to receive, and we're going to praise, and we're going to thank you. We're going to be grateful, and we're going to open that gate so that the blessing will come in. Amen? We thank you and praise you, Lord. We thank you and praise you, Lord. Father, may this be the night that we receive. We receive. I just, I just bind that lie that says it's not for me. Not for me, not for me, not for me, for my brother, for my sister, but not for me. We bind that in the name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And the whole house said, Amen. Amen. As the house lights come up.
Greet somebody next to you. Go meet somebody you don't know. Let's enjoy the Lord together tonight. Great to see you. So good to have you tonight at the one year anniversary of the North Georgia Revival. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for being with us. Who's new in the house tonight? Just wait. First time. First, first. Wow. Over here. Hallelujah. Over here. Great. Great to have you. We've got a power pack night. So many things on the agenda tonight. Uh, we're going to move right along in our service. Pastor Todd's going to come in a moment with the word. But we have a couple of testimonies that we thought was uh, very, very imperative that you hear. So I'm going to ask Tia Westbrook to come to the platform. Welcome Tia as she comes. She's going to join me right up here. She was baptized. Come on over here, baby. She was baptized a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm going to have her just real quickly share kind of a before and after. Tell what the Lord did for you in the water. So I bipolar and I was told by doctors that it would never be healed and I got in the water but I also had a lot of self-harming scars and I got in that water and they're all gone stand to your feet amen that's a creative miracle brand new skin amen brand new you sure can we're gonna clarify so Describe, let me see your arms, baby. She's got one tiny, tiny, tiny little scar right there in the shape of a cross. So how many were here? Uh, 14 on my arm and then like 15 or 16 on my leg. On your legs, like on the inside, outside? Okay. So you discovered your legs clearing up when that night? When I was changing back into my clothes. <laughs> so she looks down. Now, I understand you celebrated pretty heavy back there. Yeah. Our team was saying, that, were you, in, you were in the changing room, I guess, by yourself, your parents or anything, okay, your mom or anything. And so they hear her yelling. What were you yelling? I am worthy. I am beautiful. I'm a beautiful friend of the Lord, and I have a great life. Were you saying the scars are gone? They're gone? Yes. So they, they couldn't get to her quick enough because they just heard her screaming and yelling and celebrating what God had done. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise for this miracle right here. Thank you, T. All right. I'm going to ask pastors Matt and Stevie, if you'll come on to the platform, Matt and Stevie Scott from the Gathering Place in Moody, Alabama. Now, our congregation has heard about this wonderful church. And so it's, we've seen some incredible things happen in their church. Uh, Pastor Todd and I have been with them twice, Pastor Marty and 
uh, some of our team went another time. Now, this is the church that's got the swimming pool inside. We had to graduate from the smaller pool to the bigger pool. So I'm going to pastor just to explain a couple of things that's been happening in your church lately. Yeah, it's been incredible. We came in August on a date night on one Sunday night just to check it out. We had read the Charisma Magazine article, and we wanted to come over just to experience it for ourselves. And uh, it was incredible. You know, Stevie's a feeler. She feels everything. Jesus could be in Atlanta, and she's going to hit the ground. And uh, I'm more of an observer, and the Lord speaks. And, uh, and so our experiences were very different that night. Uh, she felt a lot, and I was trying to take everything in. So our, even our baptism moment, you know, she floats out, and I just pop back up, you know, wash my hair off. And, but, you know, he said something very interesting at the leadership conference. He says, like a virus. And on that night, I was infected. I was infected. And when you, when you get a virus, you don't see symptoms immediately. It takes, takes a second for symptoms to start to manifest. But, but it happened. And uh, we received an impartation on that night. And we came back for the leadership conference. And we brought our staff with us. And from September uh, to January, we probably had over 100 people from our church come over and experience the water. And so when we decided to have a, an event in January, we asked Pastor Todd if he would come. And really, it was uh, last minute that we decided to put a baptistry up. You know, we taught you want a baptistry, we not want a baptistry, you want water, not want water. And at the last minute, we've got a little small eight-foot portable baptistry. We put it up, and uh, it was not big enough. Uh, we had quite a few people get in. Yeah. And so we decided second go-around to purchase a 14-foot pool. And we just, because we don't have a baptistry in our worship center, and so we put a 14-foot pool from Amazon in our worship center. Since we've, we've had two, we've had two encounter events, and uh, right at 280 people have, have gotten into the water. We've seen, we've seen, um, Blind eye open, deaf ears open, eczema gone, depression gone, anxiety gone. We've seen families restored. It's, it's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. This I can say about uh, Pastors Matt and Stevie. This is, the, this, is the, this is the thing with them. They came and received from the Lord, okay? They came here received from the Lord. Many of their people have received from the Lord. And you know what? Immediately, immediately he took on responsibility. He received something from the Lord, and he had a decision to make, and she had a decision to make. What are we going to do with this? We can set it to the side. We can kind of forget about it. Because when you step into a time of revival, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. And he could have said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to not, we're not going to think about this. We're a wonderful experience. We're led to decide. No. He said, we're going to take on responsibility. We've been touched. We want to share this with other people. And he did something, and she did something, and their people did something with what the Lord gave them. Amen? So I just praise God for that because, as I said, he could have buried it. But no, they took it on, and they said, God, you've so touched us. We want others to experience this. So I give God the praise for that. Amen. Welcome Pastor Don Allen from the church at War Hill as he receives our offering tonight. Come on, Pastor Don. Come on, give God a praise. Amen. 
What an honor it is to be a part of what God is doing in our generation. You know, I've been asked to come in just a couple of weeks to a gathering of leaders, national leaders, and tell them what God is doing in a community. That 27 years ago, we couldn't find a way to come together when we came here. But for the last year, we've been together. And look what God can do when the people of God dwell together. Amen. What a joy. What a joy. I enjoyed worshiping tonight. We had baptism this morning over at Warhill. Praise God. God changing lives. People being blessed, touched, and ministered to. People getting saved. What a joy. What a joy. I'm looking for somebody, though. I'm looking for a young lady who stood right here. She's got a gray shirt on, a headband. She went and took her. Can you come here for a second? Come up here. Are you from here? Where are you from? Well, I'm from South Carolina, too. I knew there was something great about you. Amen. Go Clemson. I'm getting you back. Come on now. Amen. Did I say that out loud? Tell me your name. Where part of South Carolina are you from? Lexington. Lexington. Well, we are so glad that you're here. Have you been here a lot? Yeah. First time. It was a weirder moment during worship for, for me tonight because it was like God kept pulling my attention from there to here. And as he kept pulling it down, my wife and I actually spoke about you for a moment. Because you didn't come to this place just to receive. You took a spot right there, and you poured out from your heart. And when you give, you have created an atmosphere that's going to do something over there because you gave. And I want to say thank Can I give you a hug? I want to say thank you. Let her know how thankful we are she came. Amen. Come on. She poured out her heart right there. You see, when you come to God's house, that's really what it's all about. Did you come ready and prepared to be a part, to give? Did you come ready to pour out from your heart? I want to share with you just a moment about the importance of understanding of coming to God's house prepared to give. Somebody said, Pastor Don is up after the offering. I am, so just go ahead and get it ready because we're about to receive it. Come on. Now, I want you to understand what I'm, I'm trying to say to you. This is not about a financial thing, even though they spent almost $4,500 repairing a baptistry that was having so many lives changed in it that it's wearing it out. Come on now. For the glory of Jesus. Amen. $3,000 a night taking care of what's required here at this time. But let's look past that for just a moment. Imagine as it were, we're trying to get into the presence of God. And we are living in the Old Testament times. And as we're living in the Old Testament time, thank God we're in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, 
while I'm preparing to go up to the house of the Lord, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something because I understand a biblical principle. And the biblical principle is this, is the law of the land that I don't go up to God's house empty-handed. I never go up to God's house empty-handed. Let me just say that again. I always go up to God's house with something in my hand, so I'm finding the sacrifice. I'm taking that offering. I'm tucking it under my arm, and I'm headed toward the house of the Lord. Why? Because I understand a principle that when I bring an offering before the Lord, David said, I will not offer something to God that doesn't cost me something. When I bring an offering before the Lord, I'm coming to a place so that I might be a blessing because when I become a blessing, then all of a sudden, the doors of heaven are open for me to receive a blessing. Can I get an amen for that tonight? Pastor Todd, the Lord's been dealing with my heart about being ready, being prepared. I'm not coming in like this. I'm coming in carrying my heart, my praise, what that young lady just did. She came in and she poured out from who that she was. It is our opportunity tonight to give and to prepare for the weeks ahead. I'm speaking prophetically. We are preparing for the weeks ahead. We are going to bless and we are going to receive a blessing. Ushers, I want you to come quickly as I tell you how that works. If you remember the testimony that we, Pastor Todd and I, didn't have unity. God tore down some walls built up some friendships. One of the greatest nights of this revival, I had not even come yet. And I was sitting at my house. Somebody texted me and said, your daughter is about to be baptized. And I flipped on Facebook. Come on. I, I do that about every three minutes anyways when I'm trying to go to sleep. I flipped on Facebook. And I looked, there's my baby in the water. And my first thought was, I'm supposed to be doing that. And my second thought was, thanks be to God who can do what I can't do as God set her free in that water. Come on now, amen. Thanks be to God. And so people have said to me, Pastor, what's happening in Dawsonville? First, come see it for yourself. Second, when you come, be prepared to be a blessing because there's blessings for your family as well. Get your offering in your hand. Stand with me in this place if you would. This is our chance. I just want you to get that mental picture. This is you walking toward the presence of God with your gifts and with your offering. Heavenly Father, we are in this place to glorify your name. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I thank you for a house that you prepared for revival to come. Lord, not only to Dawsonville, not only to North Georgia, but to spread across this nation and that your glory might be known over this earth. And Lord, you have made us bearers of that. You have made us the anointed vessels of that. And in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the victory of Christ, I thank you, Lord, that you are here 
and you are present, and you're going to receive our offering tonight as we, those who have been blessed, now come to be a blessing, and the blessing goes on and on in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Would you come on, give God one more praise as they begin to receive the offering tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm so excited about what God is doing in this house. And it all began when one man had a vision from God, and he called another man, a man that I have had the honor of calling one of my dearest friends for 20-something years now, a man who came, who holds back nothing. Would you help me make welcome the man who preached the first several weeks of this revival, Bishop Lance Johnson. for a moment that we would see what we've seen 364 days later. Probably one of the most terrifying nights of my life was when Pastor Marty introduced me while Pastor Todd was in the floor, <laughs> rolled up in a fetal position under the presence of God. What you may not know is on a Sunday morning, I was here on a Saturday night for a men's meeting, and on a Sunday morning, Pastor Todd had asked me to stay and preach, and Pastor Todd said that morning after the service was over, he said, Bishop, can you stay tonight? And we had an unannounced meeting here on Sunday night. Pastor Todd said that night, he said, I want y'all to come at, at 5 o'clock, we're going to start praying. And at 5, we begin to pray. At 6 o'clock, God walked into this place and sat down. And the rest is history. The lives that have been changed have spoke for what God has done and is continuing to do it. But I believe that God found a man and a woman. And he found a church that he could trust to pastor such a great move of God. And tonight, it's my honor and it's my privilege to introduce to you tonight Pastor Todd Smith. Would you make him welcome to the platform tonight? Would you let Pastor Karen and Christ Fellowship Church of Dawsonville know that you love them tonight and appreciate their faithfulness to walk tenderly before the Lord? All right. Wow. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Pastor Don. Pastor Don, you'll remember that meeting that you and I had in my office. It didn't end well. I called him a rattlesnake. You remember that? I don't know if he liked me, didn't like me, but I know that the devil almost robbed me in our community, in our church, from having a relationship with a choice servant of the Lord and his precious wife, Pastors Don and Christina Allen. Thank God the devil didn't win. 
And it is an honor for me to stand in front of you tonight and among these great men of God that have been leading and preaching this revival. Um, it's a privilege. This is the third time, I believe it is, that I have spoken to the revival in a, a preaching format. And I've had, I believe, some things that the Lord wants me to share with us regarding what God's doing in North Georgia and around the world. And we welcome those that are watching via Facebook and the ISN network and their affiliates, we just welcome them tonight. Would you make them feel welcome from all over? I've not done this, but maybe a handful of times since the revival broke out, but there is a book that I wrote called He Sat Down that I believe was the catalyst for the revival, even though I preached through this two to three years prior to the Lord um, coming into this house in glory. But we had to get our minds right and understand that Jesus is on his throne sitting down. And the work that's being done on the earth is now being done through his body. Our church adopted this mindset and said, you know what? If anything's going to be done on the planet, he's going to use me because we are now his body. And so I preached this. And I put it in book form called He Sat Down. We have a few copies um, out at the, the table, so grab that if you will. So here you go, Danny. Uh, praise God. I just flew in this morning at 9 o'clock. I was in East Texas and um, had a revival. That's the second time we've been in there. They, they've already entitled it the Northeast Texas Revival. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, Winsboro, Texas, beautiful little town. Uh, we were there last night, um, pastors uh, Craig and Sue Ann, Tony, in Winsboro, Texas, Restoration Fire Ministries. I want you to take a look at that picture. Can you guys kill some of the lights up here so they can see that? Can y'all see that? This is what happened uh, last night. It is a unique situation. We're having revival, and... The county jail let 30 women come to our revival. Yeah. I mean, they got off the van with their towels in hand. I mean, the North Georgia revival has already hit the jail system in Texas. Come on now, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my goodness, they put their right foot in that water, and the presence of the Lord starts hitting them. They start confessing sin. I mean, they just start bawling. They're saying, I've left my kids. I've loved meth more than I've loved my children. I repent of that. I need Jesus to save me and to change me. And we just dunk them right there. The power of God touches them just like he does right here. Come on, give God praise. <laughs> oh my goodness I, you know I was with Pastor Matt and uh, Pastor Stevie at the gathering place which is the uh, Methodist church and I think two Friday nights ago how many people did we baptize that, that evening 138 Methodists got dunked in the water in Jesus' name y'all are nuts you crazy bro you're nuts. Y'all know if he's moving in the Methodist, and I love Methodists. Y'all know it's the end times. Come on now. 
I mean, you just following your roots, Charles and John Wesley, man. You're just it's, it's crazy. And then we were in Cottonwood, Arizona. Uh, recognize that tank, Pastor? That's the kind of tank that you guys had. And uh, Cottonwood, Arizona, Pastor Sam and Sandra Lugren. And I don't know how many people we baptized that night. Close to 100 people in two nights in Arizona. Is that not nuts? Is that not crazy? What God's doing in the earth? I mean, I'm, I'm telling you right now, what God's doing is, is, is nuts. Now, I've got a few things that I need to say. I want you to go to Job chapter 14, Job chapter 14 tonight. Job chapter 14, you go to the book of Psalms, turn left, and boom, you run into it. Okay? You can't help yourself. Job chapter 14. I want to read a scripture to you. Then I'm going to answer a question. Job chapter 14, stand to your feet. We're going to read the word. I want you to understand the context of the scripture. In Job chapter 14, we all know that Job is writing this as a broken man. His children are dead. His wealth is gone, his body is riddled with sores, and he cuts himself with broken pieces of pottery. His supposedly free, or supposed three friends call him evil and a hypocrite. Who needs enemies when you have friends like that? So it is in this context that Job writes verses 7 through 9. And it's not bad enough that his three friends are ridiculing, but now children are mocking him. And he sees no way out but death, and he struggles to survive. So in the middle of it all, he gathers himself, and he makes a bold proclamation. You're going to love verse 7. Verse 7 says this, I love it. For there is hope for a tree, that if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Now understand, everything in his life has been taken from him, and he chooses to be optimistic. He remains in a positive posture. Let me read verse 7 again. For there is hope for a tree, even though it is cut down. Everybody shout, cut down. down. That it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Verse 8. Though its root may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground. I love this. Yet... At the scent of water, (laughs) just a little bit of vapor, a stump, at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth fruit, if you will, and branches like a plant. Since February 11th of 2018, 
We've baptized over 3,700 people in this building. Come on, give God praise. Woo! 3,700 people. And Pastor David, in your church service this morning, y'all baptized right at 60 people this morning, baptized to nearly 4 o'clock this afternoon, and church started at 10. I'm telling you, church as you know it is over with. We feel that we can get things done in 58 minutes and 30 seconds and have an encounter with God. Now, you may be able to, but church as you know it has come to an end. Pastor Don, y'all baptized people this morning. Folks are getting baptized all over the county, all over the country, all over the world. People filling up their own bathtubs. Watching us on Facebook, feel the Holy Ghost enter their home. And they tell us, I'm going in right now to fill up my bathtub and I'm going to baptize myself. You may be seated. I'm coming back to the text. I love what Paul Cain said. You're going to want to take some pictures of some of the slides that I have for you. Back in 1989, Paul Cain said, there's coming a revival that is nameless and faceless. You can't label this revival on a personality, on a pastor, on a teacher, a revivalist. This is so different. You cannot put it on anyone's shoulders. I love what he says. He says, in February of 1989, at an Anaheim vineyard during a conference, Paul Kane prophesied a time when athletic stadiums and arenas would be filled with God's people preaching the gospel and healing the sick in extraordinary fashion. In his vision, he saw ambulances bringing in the worst medical cases, the local hospitals being emptied to deliver their patients to these events, and the dead being raised by an army of nameless and faceless Christians releasing a wave of miraculous healings and conversions. People ask me all the time as I, as I travel, pastors will call me. My phone rings literally off the hook all day long and they say, Pastor, why are you doing this? What's the significance of baptism? Just this week, we had someone comment and say, why don't y'all just lay hands on them instead of getting them wet? What's all the fuss about the water? Anybody had that asked of you? Why do we have to get baptized again? Why are you guys rushing to get baptized again? We get that, asked that all the time. Come on, let's be honest. Raise your hand if someone at the office, family member, says, why in the world are y'all getting dumped? And so I've had enough of the questions. I just went to the Lord. I said, Lord, I need an answer. 
why are we dunking everybody? I know that in January of last year, I'm walking toward that baptistry. It's completely empty. First open vision that this Southern Baptist pastor had ever had. And I see the baptistry completely full and a strip of fire on top of the water like gasoline burns on water. And I saw it from the, begin, from the front to the back, two and a half to three feet wide. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. And at that time, I had no idea the magnitude of that. And anywhere and everywhere we go, we will lay hands in the water before we baptize. And I say, God, what you're doing in Dawsonville, Georgia, will you do it in Cottonwood, Arizona? Lord, would you do it in Winsboro, Texas? Would you do it in Moody, Alabama at a Methodist church? And for about three to four to five minutes, I'll just lay my hand in that water and I say, Jesus, may the same fire that is in the waters of Dawsonville, Georgia, be in the waters of that swimming pool, that whirlpool, or the tank. And the very same thing that's happening here is happening everywhere. With pastors that believe that Jesus is coming after his bride. So I asked the Lord, now stay with me, because I'm going to get back to Job in just a moment. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why baptism? Why are you doing it this way? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly, and I wrote it down. I'll never forget how he spoke to me, and this is what he said to me. Are you ready for it? He said, Todd... I am coming with a vengeance for my bride. I am coming with a vengeance for my bride. And I said, Lord, that's great. And then he continued to talk. And then he said this. He says, my people... In my churches have been fleeced. If I have ever heard the Lord speak to me, I know without a shadow of a doubt he spoke to me in this interchange of ideas and we were communicating. And I said, Lord, this is not going to go over well. Because I had a problem with this, not the first part, but the second part. I don't have a problem with Jesus coming to his bride with vengeance. Now, when you look at this word vengeance, I don't want you to think he's coming with revenge. I want you to look a little bit deeper at the word. In other words, I'm coming with an intensity and an urgency. I'm coming with focused purpose. I'm going to be relentless and I'm going to be determined. And he says, I am coming for my bride and he was speaking to me and he says, Todd, do not get in my way. That's enough to scare any man. I'm coming with a vengeance. For my bride. And y'all know what he's doing? 
He's bypassing preachers to get to his people. He spoke to my heart. He says, I have given them for you for two decades. But they've been fleeced in the church. I said, Lord, I don't like that term. Could you soften it just a little bit? What does it mean? And when I hear fleeced, I, I, I see a shepherd fleecing his, his sheep, shearing him. And, and he said, that's not what I'm talking about. Because when I think of fleecing, I think about taking. That pastors have taken from people. That's not what he meant. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to explain this to me. What do you mean by fleecing? Because, Lord, this is a very combative word, and it's very controversial, and it's not going to go over well if I have to share this with people. So, God, you're going to have to help me work through this. And this is what he said to me. In fact, I went to synonyms of the word fleece, trying to find something different, and this is what I found, and I find it very interesting. It is this, my people have been cheated. You see, fleecing someone is when you take from someone, but not every time. Have you ever been cheated when someone didn't give you what was yours? I mean, have you ever been like at a restaurant buying groceries, you're checking out, and they kept some of your change. We call that being what? Cheated. And so the Lord said to me, he said, Todd, I'm coming with a vengeance to my bride. I'm bypassing our preachers, not just, I'm, not, I'm, I'm being general, I'm just bypassing preachers, and I'm meeting my people in the water. The mano a mano, one on one. And the Lord said, my people have been occupying chairs and pews and churches for the last two decades underneath the preaching and the teaching of pastors, and the people have become more addicted, more carnal, more sick under our leadership. And I've given oversight to my sheep, to my pastors, and they're carnal. And when he showed me that water, I had no idea when he says, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire, that God says, I'm going to come back to my bride, and I'm going to take them, and Todd, do not get in my way. How have we as pastors, I'm going back to Job, I promise you, just give me a moment, but I, as, as the... As the leader of this revival, there are certain things that I have to say in the atmosphere, not to you, just in the atmosphere. I, I have to put things on notice. I have to say certain things in the atmosphere to set things in order or to set a course of direction. So don't think I'm preaching about you. So how have we cheated our people? Can I give you a few suggestions? Pastors have not preached the whole counsel of God. We've stopped preaching holiness. We've stopped asking our people to turn from sin. 
You don't hear a lot of preaching on righteousness. Very few pastors and leaders are teaching on kingdom living. They're afraid to embrace the difficult part of Scripture. Pastors have started running after blessings, comfort, and ease. Not preaching the difficult sections of the Word of God. They make it easy to be converted. Just believe and say a prayer and you're saved. Repeat this prayer after me. Fill out the card in front of you. Require nothing from them. That salvation is nothing more than intellectual assent. As long as you believe, you're saved. The devils believe and tremble. We've got to back up and do it the way Jesus did. Not begging anyone to get saved. He just simply says, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Well, Lord, let me go bury my father that's dying. Oh, no, no, let the dead bury the dead. Come follow me. Mm-hmm. Just helping anybody or hurting somebody, I don't know. I don't know. And I believe that God has spoken to my heart and and when I preach and I teach pastor's conferences, this is the message that I have to preach. And there's a hunger among God's men and women to get it right once again in the house of the Lord. We've watered the gospel down in exchange for attendance. Our goal has been gathering a crowd and getting more people to come and hear. So in order to do that, we have to alter our message to get a crowd. We've been more focused on growing in favor with the crowd than growing in favor with God. You see a pastor that becomes somewhat notorious or, or, or a little bit of no, notoriety, the first thing that he begins to do is trim his body to look presentable in front of a crowd. His shirts get tighter, shows off his physique. Before that, fat and flabby. Starts gathering a crowd, there's a certain image that I got to uphold. I'm preaching. All of a sudden, they used to wear long sleeves. All of a sudden, they get a little notoriety. They say, I'm going to be in front of millions. I got to get into the gym. And overnight, they start wearing shirts up here to show off them biceps and those pecs. And they'll do this a little. You know what I'm saying? I've seen it. Y'all act like I'm crazy. We wear new clothing to look cool, yet our garments, the garments you can't see, are stained and filthy before God. In return, shepherds have left their flocks famished and sick and demoralized and broken and addicted, impoverished, unusable, ignorant, weak and vulnerable and malnourished. They've sat in our churches for years under our teaching, listening to our sermons and going to conferences and small groups and community groups, outreaches, all the while walking in our church, smiling at us and saying, look at our cool pastor. And they leave the same way that they came. We give them a bottle of milk in our sermons. 
and a few sweets. And they leave the same way they came. And some of the pastors that I'm talking about are charismatic pastors. Pentecostals. Raised in the atmosphere of the supernatural. But they've been mesmerized by the success of pastors. Mesmerized by the persona, the charisma, the facilities, their success, other pastors' glamour, their crowds, their production. And they say, this is what I want. And I want my church to look like that. So pastors, many of us have traded in our roots, our lineage, our spiritual DNA. And most pastors today, as the Bible says, are clouds without rain. I know what transgender looks like. I've seen it. If you're transgender, you have an identity or a gender expression that differs from their assigned sex. I'm going to release a new term on you called trans preacher. I'm going to say it again. Trans preacher. You got an identity issue. You're charismatic, but you express yourself as if you're a sensationist and a staunch dispensationalist. You believe, you believe, but you don't practice being a spirit-filled Christian. You don't know what you are any longer. You pray in tongues in your office. You believe there is more, but on Sunday morning you walk out and you act like that isn't who you are. You put on spiritual makeup, you put on your nice high heels and dress yourself up as a seeker-sensitive preacher. You cover up your true identity, but underneath the mascara and underneath your clothing, the lipstick, you are still a man of God that longs to see the power of God manifest in your ministry. And no matter how hard you try, you can't change the fact that you are born, bred, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. You are a fire-breathing, tongue-talking Pentecostal. But you have bought a bill of goods, a product that can't bring the kingdom of God nor the power in your local church by trying to have Christian swagger and to be cool to influence people. I need to say this, and I need to say it very quickly and move on from my message. We need pastors to come back out of the closet. <laughs> you talk in tongues in private, but you won't discuss it on Sunday mornings in front of the crowd. If that's the case, you are a puppet and not a preacher. You dream of big crowds, big money, big buildings, and they dictate to you who you are. Try. Stop trying to be someone you're not. It gets worse. Now, this is not to you. This is all the other pastors, okay? And I'm just telling you. 
I'm telling you, it's about to get worse. Touch three people and say, it's about to get worse. <laughs> Deep down in your spiritual DNA, you believe in healing. But you only pray for people in private. God has used you in the gifts of the Spirit, but you won't train others. Yeah, and I'm about, I'm about to go there, so buckle up right here. You know what it's like to be slain in the Spirit. To be knocked out by the Holy Ghost in one moment, and in one moment he did a complete work in your life. But now you won't even ask people to come forward in an altar call. You won't lay hands on them, and here's the reason why. You're afraid of what might happen. Some of you go to churches like that. But you come into this building with your tongue hanging out. Because there's a scent of water. And your soul is famished. You get, con you get candy every Sunday. Your pastor has replaced formulas or replaced the fire of God with formulas. He substituted the power of God with principles. He's well rehearsed on steps, but won't introduce you to the Spirit of God. And you come into this place, some of you, and your tongue is hanging out. Your nose is upward because you know that there's more. Why is God baptizing people in water and meeting them with fire? He says, I'm coming back for my bride with vengeance. I'm going to go on the record. I may not get, that's, there's a reason they don't let me preach but three times in a year. We do not need. Now hear me, another seeker-sensitive church. Appreciate your enthusiasm right there. Now I'm going to say it again. We don't need another seeker-sensitive church. What we need are pastors, men and women of God, who know God and walk in His glory, and when they speak from the platform, the glory of God fills the house with His presence, and God walks into the room, and we need pastors who are not afraid to give God back the church. I feel the agreement of the Holy Ghost right there in my gut. I just felt the roar of a lion on the inside of me. Whoa, yes, yes. 
I told one seeker-sensitive pastor not too long ago of a really large church. I mean, he, you know, I was talking to him, and, you know, I'm at a point now I just don't care. I've done seen too much, heard too much. I've seen the glory of God. I've seen psoriasis melt off a man's body. I've seen scars melt off a lady's, Tia's body. Hey! Dear God in heaven, screaming as if in horror in the back, and our people ran to her thinking, my, shit, what's happened to her? And Tia, you go, they're gone. I've seen a 75-year-old woman in Cottonwood, Arizona. Her joints locked up, get baptized. Jesus roars over her in that water. The fire of God touches her. And I've seen that 75-year-old woman do her legs and her arms moving, got unleashed, and ran around the church. My God in heaven. I've seen eczema leave a person's body. We've got testimonies of people being bipolar, HDHD, coming off their medicines, being doctor verified that you no longer need medicine. So I don't tiptoe any longer. I don't have to any longer. And that's not an arrogant statement because my eyes have seen too much and my ears have heard too much to go back to be powerless. No more. Not happening. Not happening. Not happening. Well, I don't like that kind of preaching. I don't like people to yell at me. I'm not yelling. I'm just excited. I'm not yelling at anybody. Not yet. Touch three people and say, buckle up. If the truth be told, if the truth be told, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not angry, I'm not upset, but the truth be told, some of you that go to a seeker-sensitive church, you're disappointed. You're longing to see the power and the fire and the love and the life of God in demonstration in that church. That's why you sneaked into here. That's why you're here. It's not seeker sensitive, it's sneaker sensitive. All right, we'll be sneaker sensitive, a new term. We got trans preacher and sneaker sensitive. That's why you're here. Sitting in the back, don't want to be on camera. I know. And I can tell you this. That sometimes a church gets so big and so big that you can't upset the apple cart. I understand that. Because we have budgets. We've developed an image. We have a brand. And to turn and to shift would cause everything to collapse. But can I just be real honest with you? Here's the truth. I'm going to be honest with you right here. Now, again, touch three people and say buckle up, because you really need to put the seatbelt on on this one. Now, I'm going to say this, and I want want you, uh, I'm not even looking at y'all. Y'all making me nervous here at the front row. I'm not even looking. 
you know, because you can be preaching, and preachers got, you know, they got some nonverbal communication, so I'm not even looking at them. All right, now watch this. Who said that? I'm not even looking. Let me say it again. Okay, yeah, all right, Pastor David. I, no way leaving. Here's the deal. Can I be honest with you? I've heard this with my own mouth, with my, with my own ears. I've heard that with my own mouth. I may have said it myself. Now here's the deal why we do not have an openness to the Holy Ghost moving in a lot of churches. And here's the reason. We are worried about making a good impression on our guests. And a pastor said, we are concerned about embarrassing people. So therefore, we limit the movement of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning. I'm telling you the truth. There are certain things that we allow and certain things we don't allow. We don't want Here's another one, to make people feel un, go ahead and fill in the blank, un, un what? Think about that. The audacity for me as a shepherd that have sheep, that have ticks and fleas and ailments and diseased and malnourished. The very thing that could help them in one moment, the very thing that could have caused every ailment in their body to be taken care of, I make the choice that I don't want that flea-bitten, tick-infested, malnourished, sickly little sheep. I don't want him to be uncomfortable. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, Danny. Or they won't come back. You know, Jesus did not have a problem with that. Jesus, give me the keys to eternal life. Okay. So you're a rich man. Go give all your money to the poor. And the young man said, I need to reconsider. And here's what Jesus did. Okay. Not that he didn't love him. Not that he wasn't concerned. The Bible says that Jesus walked away sorrowful. But he didn't beg him. And he wasn't about to lower the standard. He wasn't about to lower the standard in order to gather a following. So we have reinvented and wrote a new manual and submitted to Jesus and said, Jesus, from this point on, we think we know better than you. And we'll take over from here. So we're going to 
box the Holy Spirit up in a compartment and crack the door open and say, you can only come out this much. We got all of it taken care of over here. And here's what we do. Maybe if they see how cool we are. Maybe if we are a little bit like them. That they can see how much we relate to them. That they will want to come and join us. And when they come and join us. Then they will embrace our belief system. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so what ends up happening is that they come and join us and remain as carnal as we are. I got to get off of this. But while I'm at it, we're worried about image, marketing, branding, don't want to embarrass anybody, do not want to make people feel uncomfortable. Jesus does not care about that. Do y'all realize that our culture needs to be feel, they need to feel a little uncomfortable? If Jesus was concerned about imaging, well, he, he, he missed the memo. Look how he launched his ministry. A dude with matted Brillo pad hair. His outfit, camel's hair with a leather belt, who ate locust and wild honey. Imagine that. John the Baptist being introduced to guest. As your head greeter. Hadn't bathed. Hadn't shaved, hair everywhere, a man of the wilderness, crickets and honey. You greet him and he smiles, there's a cricket leg hanging out of his teeth. That's what it says. That's what he ate. Jesus said, I'm going to turn this thing so upside down, it's going to be so inverted, it won't make sense. Because it's not about imaging, it's not about marketing, it's not about Christian swagger, it's not about how cool you look, it's not about any of those things. It's whether or not that you have the authority and power of a John the Baptist that says, he must increase and I must decrease. And if Jesus was worried and wanting to box in the church, why did he birth the church with an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in an upper room that was so controversial that three out of the four responses were negative. We don't deal with the negativity very well, so we'll calm it down. All right, I'm... Here's what A.W. Tozer said. Now write this down. You're going to need to take a picture of this. I couldn't believe it. 
He says, modern Christianity has become so watered down until the solution is so weak that if it were poison, it would not hurt anyone, and if it were medicine, it would not cure anyone. Jack Cole said this, I love it, it's going to make me run in church. Churches today are just like their picnics. They are dead as the chicken, cold as the ice cream, and weak as the tea. I feel the holy, I feel the line about the roar on the inside of me. Isn't that the truth? Got to hide Jesus. Put the Holy Ghost on a leash. The church needs a Holy Ghost invasion. And I'm going to hear, I got to tell you something, when the Holy Ghost comes, it's going to attract all types of people. It's going to, listen, it's going to attract crazy people. It's going to attract people that are nuts. I go, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. I'm going to tell you that. But it's also going to attract people just like you with your tongues hanging out because you are looking for the, listen, you're looking for the authentic. You're looking for the real. You're tired of candy church. You're tired of candy church steps and formulas and principles that make you a better you, a better version of you. But where are the men and women of God, the young people that have said, God, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. I want to know you in the authority that is mine. Where's the crying and the repentance and the dying and the desperation in the house of God and says to your pastor, if you're not going to go after him, get out of my way. The best advice that I can give some of you today is this right here, and listen to me well, and if you have to, read my lips. And some of you are in churches that are candy churches. It's all about imaging. It's all about marketing. It's all about branding. They don't deal with sin. It's about inclusiveness. It's about making the gospel conforming to our culture. Hear this, pastor, in desperation. This is why I'm here tonight. Some of you need to gather your stuff and run as fast as you can away from the church that makes you feel comfortable. You gather your children and you say, honey, we're running. We're running. We're running. Well, my kids like, I, my kids like their children's ministry. Well, who wouldn't like Disney World? Don't be fooled by the colors and the games and the attractions to get them into the building in order to attract you as a consumer. Not ought to be if your kids like it. You ought to find some teachers over your children that know how to pray in tongues. That will get on their knees on Thursday night and Friday night and have a picture of your youngster in front of them and weep over your child. Oh God, would you touch Sally? Oh God, would you breathe upon their home? And you weep and you cry 
and your tears stain the portrait. But no, we want to go where our children are entertained because we want them to love church. Find yourself a youth pastor. He may not have the gangs and the gimmicks and all the lights and all the fog and all the haze, but find you a young man and a young woman that will get beside their bed and open up their journal and say, God, I thank you for sending us Steve this Wednesday night. And God, I pray for Steve. God, I pray that he encounters you right now. And he weeps and he cries. Well, I want my kid to enjoy church. I don't want to force church on my children. This is stupidity gone to see. All of a sudden we get real spiritual and smart when it comes, I don't want to force religion on my children. Your God in heaven, where was that when the tooth fairy came around? Every child believes in the tooth fairy. Didn't ask for it, you forced it on them. They don't grow up thinking the tooth fairy. No, we're going to pull that tooth and guess what we're going to do? We're going to put it under your, that nasty, stanky tooth. We're going to put it under your pillow. And then while you're sleeping, uh, somebody with wings is going to come through the window. Tippy-toe in your bedroom, lift your pillow up and give you a quarter. A dollar bill. Don't talk to me about forcing religion on our children. You begin to form them and tell them exactly what they need to believe from the moment they're small. Don't leave it up to no eight-year-old what they're going to believe. Near God in heaven, you live in this house, you eat my food, you sleep in my bedroom, you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. You're going to believe in Jesus. You're going to follow Jesus. You're going to serve Jesus. Declare and decree it over their life. He's nine years old. I'm going to let him decide for himself. And then there's the dude. Lives in the North Pole. Lives in snow all year round. He's 485 pounds. And as soon as they're this big, you tell them that he's coming. On nine reindeer. Flying through the sky. In a red suit. And it's going to deliver packages to 2.7 billion people on the planet in one night. Going to fly to your house and land on your roof without you hearing it. And he's going to take him a skinny pill and he's going to slide and slime all the way down your chimney. Eat your cookies and drink your milk and leave everything that you wanted under a tree dear God in heaven don't want to force our belief system on our kids <laughs> oh and then this is it we've developed a whole theology pastor Don 
about October, we get real spiritual. That guy in the red suit in snow sees everything. Kid starts acting up in October. He's watching. I mean, you'll be in the mall. He's watching you. Oh, no, it's the truth. Terror, I was terrified as a kid. That big old fat man watching me. And he knows who's. You want that bicycle? Stop crying. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know, Pastor Robbie, we straightened up just like that, dear God, because he's coming. I didn't hear a soul of y'all say, well, I don't want to force my belief system on him. I'm going to let him choose for himself whether or not they believe. No, you force-fed them. You even got idols in your house. Little statue. Here he is. Sitting on your mantle. Talk to me. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's just how it is. Next to baby Jesus. You got to have both, okay? Lord convicting you. You got to have baby Jesus sitting right there in his little manger. But a fat man sitting right there next to him. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Here's the deal. Some of you guys, you need to force Jesus on your kids. If they can play Fortnite for 18 hours a day, they can sit under a 45-minute sermon. They can go to youth group on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the deal. Stand to your feet. I don't know what in the world I preached tonight. But I believe, I believe, I believe I, I spoke some truth. Now, here's, here's what I'm saying to some of us tonight. Y'all, some of us need to run as if in terror. Now, don't, don't, don't move. Oh, y'all move. Some of us need to run in terror, as if in terror. From some churches that will use the world systems to win the world. Because I'm telling you this. Write about it in the book that's coming out at Easter. An 18-wheeler passed a friend of mine, Pastor Craig Tony. I hope he's watching right now. And he shared this with me the other day. And on the back of the 18-wheeler is this slogan about vacuum cleaners. Presentation without demonstration is nothing more than conversation. I'm going to say it again. Presentation without demonstration is nothing more than a conversation. And our churches are great about conversation, talking about how great God used to do things. Never thought a vacuum cleaner would preach the gospel. Presentation without demonstration is conversation. Here's what I know. 
you go to a conversation-only church? When your child gets sick, where do you go? You find the demonstrators. You find those that believe differently than you that you used to call wacky. You start with your nose up, you start scenting who believes. When you get diagnosed with cancer, who believes? There's no formula, there's no steps, there's no principles. But you find a man of God and a woman of God that has faith. And you find the demonstrators. And Paul says, I didn't come to you in fancy words and slogans, but I came to you in demonstration of the Spirit of God. Some of you, I'm going to tell you, I've got, I've got five or six pastors right here on this front row that if you're looking for a church, I would run as fast as I could to their churches. As fast as you could. There's a reason I only preach three times. And I know that. I know the lane that I'm supposed to drive in. So about another four months from now, it'll happen again, I promise you. I'll explode. But here's the deal. Now look at that text one more time. People are baptized. Even though the tree be cut down. But at the scent of water, it can sprout again. And I know why you're here tonight. Because you smell water. You hear me? You've smelled. You've smelled water. You've heard the miracles. Lorraine, God bless you. We're glad that you're here tonight. And then it goes from that to this. At the scent of water, there's hope. Some of us in this room tonight, as I may say, your tree's been cut down. Things didn't work out like you thought. Supposed to be happily married, 2.5 kids with a house and a swimming pool. And now there's mistrust, dishonesty, and a separation. You've been cut down. Talk to me. You got hurt by church. Now you're devastated. You've been cut. You find yourself sick, dying. You've been cut. This is what some of us look like tonight. Just a fallen tree gone from that to this a stump are you with me it says even though the stump may die some of you all you got is a stump everything's been stripped from you your dignity your character People don't believe you anymore. You got arthritis in your body, no vitality, no energy. You eat up with bitterness. You've just become a stump. But I'm here to tell you tonight, this is not a conversation only gathering. It's a demonstration. Because there's a scent of water. 
You're here tonight not because of a pastor, but because of the scent of water. This is you. That is you. You are dry, yet at the scent of water. All I, all I need is just a smell, just a little bit of hope. That's all I need. I've been cut down. I've been left for dead. But if I could just get a little bit of water, just a little bit of water, just a little bit, we're going to dunk probably 150 people tonight. And here's what I promise you. It's not about a feeling. It's not about a manifestation. It's not about a shaking. It's not about a floating out. I've got a promise from him. The lion has roared in my belly tonight, and he has confirmed what I have been speaking to you. But I promise you tonight that any act of obedience, any hunger to go after him, any attempt to have the water splash on you, Jesus will meet you in that water. He will meet you in that water. I love it. An elephant can smell water from 12 miles away. Some of y'all drove eight hours. You smelled it. Pastor Jim, where's your group? All the way from Birmingham, Alabama. You smelled the water. Pastor Matt, Pastor Stevie, you came because somewhere in Moody, Alabama, you smelled some water. Let me tell you what, the devil, his mistake is this. He left some stumps. He thought when he cut you down, it was over. His mistake is he left some stumps in the building. My God in heaven. Bow your heads. I'm telling you, if I can, I can see it in my mind's eyes, your heads about eyes, there's going to be some stumps that waddle up on this platform right here. A scent of water. New leaves will come. Father, in this house, in this moment, I released what you wanted me to release. I said what you wanted me to say. I don't back off of it. I don't apologize for it. I stand and own the statements that I have said. I release it into your church. But now, Father, these individuals have come to be healed, to be cleansed, to be delivered, to be set free, to be changed, marriages to be saved coming. The demon eyes will be liberated tonight in this house. Not from a pastor, but the lion with vengeance coming for his bride. Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open up these waters to my right and to your left, these steps. You're ready to be baptized tonight. You are ready to come and to be baptized tonight and to meet Jesus in those waters. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to come right now. One, two, three. Come quickly. Come quickly right now. All across this building. Come. 
Move quickly. Move quickly. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Listen to me, listen to me. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Keep coming. Last night in Texas, East Texas, people waited six hours to be baptized. Pastor David, your last person probably today, waited four or five hours. Jesus met him in that water. Keep coming. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just take a moment as they are waiting to be processed in the line to receive their clothing. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Folks all over the world are watching. But you're here in this room. There are folks tonight that have never committed to follow Jesus. You said a prayer. You made a commitment in your mind, but your heart did not commit to follow Him. And you're standing in front of me tonight, and you're not so sure if you died tonight that you'd go to heaven. I'm not going to make it easy believism for you tonight. I'm going to do what Jesus would do. He says, I'll change your life. I will forgive your sin. I will bring you to heaven with me but here's what I need from you I need all of you I need you to come and follow me commit your life to follow me I need your mind I need your heart I need your body I need your soul I need your spirit I want all of you and if you're willing to say I want to be saved and have a radical exchange of my life for His. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. You're saying, Todd, I want to be saved tonight. I want to follow Him. I want to be born again, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I will follow Jesus. I will commit to be His disciple. If that's you, on the count of three, when I say three, lift your hand as high as you can. One, two, three. Anybody in this room? God bless you. There are others. There are others. Up here on the platform. Several, several behind me. Over there. Absolutely. Are there others? Lifted high so I can see it. Hands all over the building. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to pray. Those hands that are up, all of us are going to pray in support of you. But we're going to cry out to God. Pray this prayer with all your heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need you to cleanse me. And I turn from my sin. And I choose to follow you. 
I give you all of me. And I commit to be yours. Forgive me, Jesus. I invite you into my life. Save me now. I am yours. From this day forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer very quickly, one more time. You committed to make your life Jesus's. You just got born again. Would you raise your hand one more time? One, two, three, as high as you can. Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? Yes. Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? Come on. God's good. All behind us, right here, right here, right here. Right here. they're waiting, as they're waiting to be baptized, now listen to me, others of us need prayer, you need someone to get in agreement with you, you're sick in your body, you're away from God, you need someone to pray for you, our altar workers are coming and they're going to be standing down here, we want you to come, we're going to pray in agreement with you, some of you need prayer about guidance, how do I, how do I start a new journey with the new church, and, and I know that's controversial, but you owe it to your family. Get into a church that's not conversation only, but demonstration. Let these people pray for you. We're not proselyting. I'm just telling you, you owe it to your family. You owe it to your family. So when I pray, I'm going to ask you to come, those of you that need prayer. Pastors, would you come and line up here at the front with us? In the next few moments, as our praise team begins to sing, I want you to come. Let us pray for you for whatever's going on in your world. Father, we open this altar for people to come. Right now, you come. Bring your spouse. Bring your friend. God will touch you right here, right now. Come. Come.